Most entrepreneurs are stuck in the same rut. There's a balance there. Yes, you have to work hard on the front end in order to what we call fill that funnel. And what I see entrepreneurs miss is they fill the funnel with a bunch of unqualified people, which leads them to spending more time than they should getting rid of the people that shouldn't have been in their funnel to begin with. It's time to reinvent. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have Kurt Tufert. Kurt, we are so excited to have you here. Please tell us who is Kurt and what's your mission? I am very excited to be here today. Who am I? Let's see now. I've got many, many titles. Vice President of Sales Development for a company in Houston, Texas. We're about a billion five in sales and I manage the sales process, all of the different training aspects of that one. I also teach at the University of Houston. Summer school, I teach sales and marketing. So those are two of the things that I am as well as kind of been newly married, buried less than three years, two years, and a couple of months. An author of a book, Five Stones for Slaying Giants. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, Kurt. Kurt, new entrepreneurs, a lot of times you struggle with marketing and sales. People often have professional backgrounds and they become entrepreneurs. And that jump into selling and marketing is sort of like a big leap for everyone. So I'll start with why. Tell us why we should be successful in sales development. For the entrepreneurs, the solopreneurs, whatever product and service that you have that you're trying to trade for some kind of a compensation, sales and marketing is always at the forefront. It's the art of having a great conversation. It's the ability to listen to the person that you're trying to sell to so that you can understand and uncover just what is it that they are struggling with? What is it that they're challenged with? What are some of the issues that they have that your product and service can fulfill fix, alleviate, whatever your value proposition is that, that has to be articulated. So where I see a lot of entrepreneurs get a little bit frustrated is they need a better vehicle for having that conversation. So much you said there. And I'm going to tell myself a little bit because, Kurt, the first time when I tried to sell something, for some reason, I felt like I should always be talking. I don't know why. I felt like I should fill up every space between me and the client with me talking and trying to sell. I know that's the wrong way. Where is it that when you entrepreneurs, where do we lose the sale? How can we fix that? We lose the sale because we have one mouth and two ears and we should use them in proportion. And so we should listen twice as much as we should talk and become curious. I think sometimes we who are entrepreneurs are so excited about the product or service that is that we're trying to sell. We know it's good because we created it. We know it's good because it's ours, it's our baby. And so in our enthusiasm, we usually talk twice as much as we listen. And we're not curious enough to ask those open-ended questions to uncover and discover just what it is that the other person needs, wants, and desires that your particular product or service can meet or exceed. You oversee a lot of salespeople. And for new entrepreneurs, a lot of times, either you're doing the selling and fulfilling, or you've got a small team. And how do you balance that selling 
looking for clients as well as fulfilling. When I had my own business and I was a professional speaker and doing sales training, I had to do everything from prospecting to doing and delivering the content to generating the invoice to getting the collection to delivering it to the bank to making sure I could pay my bills. And most entrepreneurs are stuck in the same rut. There's a balance there. Yes, you have to work hard on the front end in order to what we call fill that funnel. And what I see entrepreneurs miss is they fill the funnel with a bunch of unqualified people, which leads them to spending more time than they should getting rid of the people that shouldn't have been in their funnel to begin with. And the work-life balance gets completely lopsided and you find yourself 60, 70, 80 hours a week being in your business. Be in that business so that you can get and understand and then focus on your business that your value proposition and your qualification skill set allows you to find the right people at the right time for the right reasons so that they can secure your product or service. I like that you touched on getting the right people. You go online and all these people are like, well, we could help you get leads. And you think that's exactly what you need. And you're sort of confused because everybody's bombarding you with, hey, we want to help you get leads. So what would you say, especially for the new entrepreneur who, one, you're limited in time, you're limited in resources, but you need to get in front of the right kind of leads that you just talked about, that process of lead generation. Lead generation is a slippery slope. If you buy a list that is incorrect, you've invested too much money in something that you have to requalify. If you attend a networking event, if you're using any kind of traditional marketing, the number one thing you have to do as an entrepreneur, and we all know this, is find your perfect prospect. The ones that your product or service fits that niche. For me, it's sales training. So if I'm going after a company that does not invest in their salespeople, does not have a budget for sales training, and sees no need for sales training, I quickly go the opposite direction because they're not qualified. My job isn't to evangelize them on the value and the the power of sales training. It's too much. I've got to find the people who are open-minded enough to say, I see value in training my salespeople to become better sellers. So what can you offer me, Kurt, that allows me that way? And as an entrepreneur selling a sales service, I sell a product called Mailbox Power, which allows people to do direct mail and gifting. But if the person doesn't do that as a philosophy, then I'm not going to spend time investing in reteaching them. I just don't have the time for that. I've got to find the people who are already in the habit of doing that. And then I can come alongside and say, how would you like to automate that process? How much would that be of value to you? And then we start talking about the details. I love what you said there about not trying to evangelize people. You know, sometimes with the excitement of your product, you think, oh, I can convince this person and that person and that person. And that's clearly a waste of your time. And wow, thank you for making that clear. Just a quick ask. If you're finding this information helpful, please share it with someone that you know would love this conversation and would find this information beneficial. Thank you again for listening in. And let's jump back into our conversation. A lot of times when you're not part of sales, as in your background, you find it hard to kind of be motivated to do sales. And so people kind of tinker around with other things and avoid sales. Now for you, I want to know what motivates you? What motivates the person who motivates other people to sell? You bet. That's a great question. Who motivates the motivator? I have a band of brothers. I have a group of people who are not part of my industry, who we gather once a month to hold each other accountable. You know, there's an ancient quote as iron sharpens iron 
iron, so one person sharpens another. And these people are the ones that I get to, and I always encourage entrepreneurs and solopreneurs to find a group of people who that they can come alongside and hold them accountable. Not to whine and complain and to moan about whatever it is, but to say, here are some of the ideas that I'd like to launch in 2023. What do you think? And just allow them to talk truth into your life, into your business. It's helped me for the last 20 years to meet with people. In fact, tomorrow morning at seven o'clock, I'll meet with a coach who coaches me as a sales leader because I see the value of having a coach even at my stage in the game. Kurt, please tell me, when you're looking at the sales process in its entirety, people, when we start out as new entrepreneurs, we don't particularly have a sales process. I know it's a big area. If you could make it as simple as possible for someone to understand these three or four things, is it what you need for your sales process? You bet. There's many sales processes out there, as you know, and it's like a recipe. There's many ways to make chocolate chip cookies. And if you just get 15 different recipes, you'll be confused because they all have a modicum of subtle changes. A sales process is something that you could feel comfortable with as it relates to the product or service that you're selling. I am a big proponent in a sales process out of the North Carolina area from a company called the Brooks Group. And it's simple. It's called Impact. I-M-P-A-C-T. And it's easy enough for me to understand because the word impact means to make a difference, to make an imprint. Impact is broken down into the I is investigate, which is like prospecting. The M is meet. That's you and I doing what we're doing right now. We're meeting each other. I haven't determined if there's a need for my product or service, and I haven't built enough trust and rapport to even have that conversation. But investigate, understand who I'm going after, meet, meet the person. The P is probe. Ask open-ended questions. Be curious as it relates to Is there a fit for the products and services? If there is, is there a fit right now? If not now, when am I talking to the right person? So IMP. A is the apply stage, which means I'm not talking about my product or service until after I've had the permission to ask the customer or prospect about the needs that they have. So investigate, meet, probe, apply. And the last two is C for convince. Now that you've shared with me your challenges and I've shared with you my solutions, can we convince each other that this is a good fit? And then the last one is the T, which we call tie it up. How do I tie up the sale? Do I use an assumptive close? Well, Priscilla, based on everything we've talked about today, I just need a purchase order to get started. Is an assumptive close. So the sales process I am very passionate about is I-M-P-A-C-T or impact. And that's the one that I've chosen for the last 20 years. Is it the best one out there? It's better than the one our entrepreneurs are not using today. That's a good one. What would you say in terms of skill set, the fundamental skill set that new salespeople need? Because obviously you're starting a business. This is key. What should you focus on? I'm glad you asked me that question because I was thinking about it this morning. What would happen if she asked me that question? So I've been in sales for almost 40 years now. I would say the ability to ask great questions. Now, how do you do that? Well, let's start from the beginning. Before you can be great, you got to be good. Before you can be good, you got to be bad. And before you can be bad, you got to start something new. And so I'm asking your listeners, collect in a notebook, great open-ended questions, because you're collecting these questions that you're going to share with your suspects and your prospects and your customers regarding your product or service. And at first, 
you're going to be bad at delivering those questions. That's okay. If you've never played golf before, you won't master it in one lesson. But over time and over commitment, you get better at it. So you gather these open-ended questions. You write them in a notebook. You begin doing sales calls where you might have to literally read the question, but you gather the questions and so you can go from bad, I'm not very good at asking these questions, to good, wow, Kurt, that was a good question, to great. Wow, Kurt, no one's ever asked me that question before. And as you create those open-ended questions as it relates to the need that you solve or the itch that you can scratch as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, you get to that point where you are unconsciously asking phenomenal open-ended questions that draws that person in. Why? Because you're using this less than this. And so you're asking an open-ended question and you're listening for those answers to become curious. You know, Priscilla, that's interesting. When you said this, what happens over here? And if that breaks, what happens over there? And you start getting curious and you ask those questions and you draw the person into, okay, wow, you know my business. You understand your product or service can absolutely fit my problem. And then we go through the process of the sales process to continue to qualify them. What does the routine of a person who's running a solopreneur practice or who has a small team, what should that sales routine typically oh, look like or what did it look like for you? What a great question. I could ask you this question, Priscilla, are you a morning person or an evening person? Definitely evening. Okay. So if I asked you to get up early in the morning and start doing all these cold calls, that would be very difficult for you because you're not naturally awake and motivated early in the day. You're more awake and motivated in the afternoon. So the first thing is find your strengths. I'm an early morning person. So, man, I want to hit the phone at 7.30 in the morning and then pace myself. 7.30 to 9, get it done, block it out, create some time management. In the afternoon, I'm not so good. I'm not as sharp as I am in the morning. So my afternoons are used for administration and follow-up. But block out time. And to the entrepreneur, please don't ask your people to block out six hours a day. That's just mind-numbing. Let's start before you can be great, you got to be good. Before you can be good, you got to be bad. Before you're bad, you got to start something new. Start a sales blitz. Maybe it's Tuesdays at 10:15 to 10:45. Half hour. And then make it Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then make it Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays and go from 10:15 to 11. Go from 1:15 to 1:45. Small bursts of time that help you plant the seed and get that done. That would be my number one thing to draw on your strengths. So if you're a morning person, hit the tough thing in the morning. If you're an afternoon person, hit the tough thing in the afternoon. When you're on fire, when you're at 100% of your game and you can really articulate whether it's on the phone, in a text message, in an email. I love the sales blitz. I can tell this high energy over there and it's <laughs> making sales. So thank you for that, Kurt. And you entrepreneur, and people always say, make sure you've got a target make sure you're hitting your sales target and you're still sort of like in that being bad stage and you're trying to go from bad to being good or at least being competent. At what point should you have the target? In sales, I like to reduce to the ridiculous. So if something costs $30 a month, it costs a dollar a day. And so it's a little bit more of a ridiculous nature to it. Now, for someone who is looking for sales targets, create manageable sales targets to begin with. If you want to do $1.2 million for 2023, that's $100,000 
a month. So that's about 5,000 a day. And you start looking for little micro goals that you can target. Before you go out there and try to eat the whole elephant, try to eat the elephant one bite at a time. Set reasonable targets. And then once you start hitting those psychologically, your confidence will increase because you're hitting your small targets and then ratchet it up a bit and then ratchet it up a bit. You go into the gym, you don't start with the heaviest weight. You work your way into it. You want to run a marathon and the best you've done is lay on a couch, go for a run around the block. You can't go for a 26-mile marathon if you're still sitting on the couch. And so what happens in the salespeople I coach, they're trying too hard and they get frustrated. I want to talk to 50 people today. How about five before 10 o'clock? And then let's go to 10 people before 11 o'clock. Make these little goals. And then as you continue to consistently make those goals, you will improve. That's what every professional coach and athletic mindset has to say. Before you can run a five mile, try to run one mile. Before you can run a four minute mile, let's complete a seven minute mile. And we try that because once we start breaking this down into these smaller targets, we're not so overwhelmed and we don't have a defeating attitude. And I don't want our entrepreneurs and our solopreneurs to be defeated. If you feel you have a product or service that the market wants today, let's get after it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for that, Kurt. Now, I'm so curious, Kurt, when you were starting out in sales and marketing, did you have like a mantra or something you'd say to yourself frequently to keep you in a positive mindset? I didn't at first. Uh, and then I started listening to different business philosophers and I started to pick up on some of their cliches. There's one cliche that says, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you'll make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And the idea there is that if I want to become a great salesperson, I got to start to be a good one. And to do that one, I have to stay engaged. I have to ask open-ended questions. I have to write things down. And those were some of the little mantras that I had. Now today, oh my goodness, every entrepreneur, every solopreneur, you're on the cutting edge because you're offering podcasts. And that podcast has valuable information. And so I listen to sales podcasts all the time. I'm driving down the road and then somebody will come up with some kind of an answer and I'm thinking, oh, Oh my gosh, I never heard that before. So I'm constantly trying to suck up all this information and intelligence so I can be better on that very next sales call. Constantly improving, constantly improving. That's amazing. It's moved us perfectly into the next question. You are the author of the book, Five Stones for Slaying Giants. What is it about? I wrote that book when I had my own company as a professional speaker because my partner, Jim Jacobus, he was writing a book as well. And we are two very competitive alpha males. So somebody had to write their book before the other person. And I loved the David and Goliath story where we talk about David going and fighting Goliath. And before he went to fight Goliath, he stopped at a stream and he picked up five smooth stones. And why did he pick up five? Because one was for Goliath. And rumor has it that Goliath had four brothers that were also in the battle. And David figured out, if I take off this one brother, the other four are going to get pretty torqued off. So the five stones I talk about are passion, excellence, vision, value, and confidence. And I believe all five of those stones are absolutely foundational to an entrepreneur and to a solopreneur. To be passionate about what you have is great, but passion without excellence 
is like motivation. It's just enthusiasm without a direction. So the excellence factor, stone number two, allows you to govern, balance the passion of your product and service with the excellence about the execution of your business. The third stone is vision. Where's the vision? Where do you want to take this? Your sales career, being a great parent, grandparent, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend. What does that look like? What's the vision? The fourth stone is value. Where is your value add? Is your value add in your product, your service? Is it in your ability to be a great coach, a great mentor, things of that nature? And the fifth stone is confidence. You can't be confident unless you have passion and excellence and vision and value that you add to that. Because there'll be so many giants telling you, you can't sell today. Your product is overpriced. Nobody wants what you're selling. We're going to go into a recession. Everything is negative. And if you begin to believe that in your confidence, well, then your passion, excellence, vision, and value won't be strong enough to sustain you throughout all of those negative people. Yeah, that's really powerful. I love that you talked about the last of the five being confidence. It made me think about the times when maybe sales are slow. You're not hitting those targets like what do you do to get over that the sales slump and we all have sales slumps everybody does why because that's just the nature of the game sometimes our seasons are summer and sometimes our seasons are winter what i do personally is i go back to my book and i talk about safe places still times and special friends when you're in a slump when things aren't going your way you need to escape retreat into what i call a safe place that safe place is a private quiet place where you can retreat and find some still times. Those still times are times where we reflect to kind of look inside to say, why am I in sales? Why am I an entrepreneur? What do I believe in? And sometimes you journal, sometimes you write on a piece of paper, sometimes you don't do anything, but you certainly don't go to your safe place with non-still times, meaning leave your laptop, leave your phone, leave all your electronics that would cause you to interrupt. And that might only be for an hour. It could be for a half a day. Depending upon where you're at in your life, you could take an entire day off as a sabbatical to just retreat. And then the third is your special friends. To reconvene, to re-enter the orbit, if you will, to find that band of brothers or sisters and say, hey, this is where I want to go. What do you think? And again, you want your special friends, the ones who are encouraging you, the ones who are on your side that want you to win. And then you're going to go back and retool. And you do this periodically. That's why, you know, many, many professions have sabbaticals. Uh, sometimes we have things called weekends. We can actually take the weekend to disconnect. But I know as an entrepreneur, you're constantly thinking about your business 24-7. You're dreaming and sleeping of your business. So you got to force yourself. When you're in a trench, we're in a trough, when you're in a downtime, where you can't close a sale, you can't even close a door, that you've got to figure out a way to retreat, to find that safe place, and to have those still times. Reflect on, am I passionate about my product or service? Am I passionate about what I can do? And then return to those special friends and say, hey guys, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And I do it three or four times a year. I mean, I'm not always the motivated motivator. In fact, over the summer, I had a horrible crisis of just career and what am I doing? Where am I going? And I had to find the right people who could speak truth in my life. And from that point, I rewrited the ship. I, I put my train back on the rails and I'm going forward again. If you anticipate what you'll do when things hit, it becomes a little bit easier. So thank you for sharing your experience there, Kurt. I'm so curious, who is Kurt outside of VP of sales over there? I saw some pictures online, but I was trying to figure it out. 
Well, you know, I think as I grew a little older, I'm volunteering a bit more in my faith. And so I've had the opportunity to go to seven different mission trips to Honduras. And so that has been a blessing because it wasn't about me. It was about me serving. There's another couple of things I do in a men's group capacity where I get a chance to serve. And I believe that those areas are really starting to soften the rough edges. Those are really exciting. And then from a from a recreational standpoint, recently I've discovered scuba and I absolutely love scuba diving. So my new bride I had to convince her it didn't take very long, but she too got her certification. And so she is side by side with me in a ministry as well as in my recreation. And so it's been very, very exciting. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing a piece of your life with us, Kurt. My last question is always, what has faith meant to you on your journey? That could be an entire podcast in itself. I've been a Christian since I've been 16, four decades. There's been good times and bad times. And I believe if you go back to the New Testament, the idea that don't build your house on the sand, but build your house on the rock. My life has gone through relationship challenges, loss of loved ones, career challenges. And because I've built my faith on a rock, on granite, that is a strong foundation. And while the wind and the waves have crashed against that and have ripped apart some of the exterior of my house, it's still anchored to the rock. And so that has been very, very powerful to me as I kind of evolve my faith and just kind of looking at, okay, it's not something that is tied to a denomination. It's tied to a relationship. It's curious. It's developing. It's ongoing. It's evolving. It's more intimate. It's more personal. I'm more excited today after 40 years walking in this path than I have when I first um, became a Christian. Great. I have to make sure that I ask this. The one book you would say, new entrepreneur, get this, get your sales reading started. There are so many great sales books, but I'll offer two. One book is called Hope is Not a Strategy. It's a simple book, Hope is Not a Strategy. That's a wonderful, wonderful book. And the second one is more of a parable. It's called The Greatest Salesman in the World the greatest salesman in the world. It's a great parable about a young boy who sells carpets and there's these scrolls and he kind of writes these scrolls. One of the scrolls I always talk about is multiply your value 100 fold. And it ties into the fourth stone of passion, excellence, vision, value, and confidence. Greatest salesman in the world and then hope is not a strategy. Two great, simple, easy books for most entrepreneurs and solopreneurs to read. Uh, thank you for that, Kurt. Now, to our audience, please go to www.dxpe.com. Kurt, tell us a little bit about that. So I'm the vice president of sales development for a large industrial distributor here in Houston, Texas. About $1.5 in sales, publicly traded. We started in 1908. Most people can reach me if they wanted to social media-wise. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm the only Kurt Tufert on LinkedIn. So that's one easiest way to connect with me. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise, Kurt. I think entrepreneurs, we're going to get the year started racing because Kurt just gave us some gems to work on here. So thank you so much, Kurt. I hope you got a lot of information, a lot of actionable things out of these episodes. And if you really love the episode, please support us by going and leaving a review in your podcast listening app. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with the Reinventing Perspectives podcast. We value you. See you again next week. It's time to reinvent.